If you have your Bibles, turn to First uh, John chapter three. I'm going to preach the first three verses, and um, Brother Stephen Underwood is scheduled to preach next Wednesday night for me, uh, and uh, he has uh, got a big, big announcement. He's changing fields, not going back to South Africa, and so he. I told him he had to represent, and so he's going to represent and preach. So he's not going back to South Africa. <clears throat> going to another field, but I ain't going to tell you that field until you get here next Wednesday. So you'll come back just to find out where he's going. Amen? So uh, please do. All right, 1 John chapter 3, let's read verses 1 through 3 uh, and stand in awe of the Word of God. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. I want you to think about that just a second. He said, Behold. When he says, Behold, you better believe this. it's out of this world. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called, let's get this, the sons of God, and therefore the world uh, knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much that you are the haven of rest. And God, in this tumultuous world, this terrible, ups, turned upside down, tipsy-topsy, wicked, corrupt world, and Lord, we learn about it more every day, how wicked it is, how people are so perverted, even in their thinking and their thoughts about uh, babies not being born and things that's happening all around the world. God, we thank you that you are the haven of rest and that you are our loving Father. And so, Lord, help us to dwell on these verses just a few moments. And God, please help us, Lord, to realize how much you really love us and what we ought to do about it. God, we don't know everything, but we know one thing, you are coming again. And God, you're coming, and you're going to make a difference, uh, Lord, and you're hot. And you're going to judge this world of sin, righteousness, judgment. But God, you're going to take us up to be with you, and we're sure looking forward to it. So Lord, give us a little glimpse of you and a glimpse of heaven. And God, help us to, to, to just try our best to describe for a few minutes how much you love us. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to see, first of all, the transplanting love. The Bible says it's the Father's love. Look at it. In verse 1, Behold, what matter of love the Father has bestowed upon us that he should be called the, we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world... I think that sauce affected my eyes. I can't even see. Uh, the, uh, therefore, the world... What did they have in that sauce? But anyway, therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now the world has no clue about the things of God. Amen? Uh, I, I, I just stand amazed at some of these pro-abortion people and how angry they get when you put anything about uh, babies have a right to live. And I believe they do have a right to live. Amen? And I believe babies have a heartbeat, they're alive. It's like when your heart stops beating, you're dead. Amen? Uh, it's like, it reminds me of the paramedics one time came in a church and uh, somebody had uh, died of a, of a heart attack. 
And they took out five people before they found the right one. <laughs> That's a dead church. I'll get it later. Amen. But anyway, transplanting love. God bestows his love upon us. Y'all might as well smile. We're going to be here at 8.15. I don't care whether y'all enjoy it or not. I'm going to enjoy it. But uh, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And another thing I like is that word bestowed. Uh, you know, uh, I've been trying to make a point lately on Facebook, probably the right, wrong place to make a point, of how wicked the NIV is. Because a lot of people have left this church and went to churches that not only uh, have rock and roll music as their song service, but they, they let their preacher preach to them NIV. And folks, I want to tell you something. The NIV is corrupt. And it's from a corrupt translation, not the Byzantine. Amen. Or the, I learned something last Monday. That was good, brother. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a sad fact that, folks, the King, James, uh, the King James Bible is the only version of the Bible that's reliable. Uh, you know, and, and it's a sad fact there's so many other perversions that take out the words like bestowed. I don't know what it is in the NIV, but it's probably he thought about it or something. Or maybe they left the whole verse out like they did uh, in Mark chapter 9, verse 44 about hell. But look at this. It says, Behold what matter of love the Father has bestowed upon us. We could go home after that statement and be blessed. That God loves you. He always will love you. He loves you with an un, uh, uncompromising love, but He loves you enough to discipline you. He loves you enough to reveal to you sin and righteousness and of judgment. And you know what is so wonderful? He loves you enough to make you a place in heaven when you die that you can be with Him. Oh, what matter of love. I can't describe the manner of love, but it's a transplanting love. That means you didn't get good enough for it. Uh, Connie and I were out knocking on doors um, on Florence Avenue Tuesday night. We ran up on this lady uh, that uh, knew somebody that used to go to our church, and uh, he's now not there. And uh, she, I said, are you saved? And I never asked that question. I always ask, if you died today, you know you go to heaven. But for some reason, I just used the word, are you saved? And she looked at me and said, oh, yes, I'm saved. I'm Mormon. And she never blinked her eye. I said, what? Uh, my wife was next to me, so I was very kind. I said, what? She said, I am saved because I am a Mormon. I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. There's a big difference in works salvation and grace salvation. Oh, there is. And she was very interested in the truth, and we made an appointment to talk to her again, and I believe she'll get saved. And folks, I want to tell you something. What matter of love is the Father hath bestowed upon us that we ought to go out and tell people that are deceived thinking because they're good enough, which they're not, and they work enough that they can go to heaven. Folks, bestowed means a free gift, implanted, transplanted into our hearts, a new nature. And then we're sons of God. We're sons of God. It says, listen to this, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, we can stop right there. And, and, and all you ladies, especially feminists, uh, daughters of God. Amen. I'm not going to change the translation. You know what, sons, that includes all men, mankind that get saved. But I'll say this, friend, you ought to think about it. You're a child of the king. You're joint heirs with Jesus. Stop apologizing for being a Christian. Stop politicking trying to be a Christian. Stop trying to work to be a Christian. The love of God has made you a son of God. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 12. John chapter 1, I want to make sure I had it up there right. John chapter 1, verse 12. 
I apologize for sending this outline so late, but it's been one of those days, amen, that you got, you ever got behind on a day, amen. Some of y'all come in looking tired. I mean, y'all put in eight, maybe ten hard, sunny hours on a tin roof or under a car or wherever you've been, and I appreciate you being here. You didn't have to come, and I appreciate you being here so very much. A lot of you are very tired, and so that's why I try to keep it cool in here so I can wake you up, but... Um, Tonight we've got it pretty toasty, so we'll just keep it that way. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. Look at this. Even to them that believe on his name. You're a son of God. You're in the family of God. Think about that. Uh, we are in the family of God. Uh, that, that makes me a child. Of, if I'm a child of God, you know what that makes God? He's my father. He's my father. He's a perfect father. He's a loving father. I'm going to give you the outline on this that I was going to preach on Father's Day, but I'm going to yield the pulpit to Brother Chris Haynes on Father's Day because I'm marrying his son the night before at the camp meeting up there and, um, or the Redfield, and so I asked him to preach on Father's Day. So he's going to preach so I can go ahead and preach my Father's Day message tonight. But he's my father, and he's a great father. And, folks, I want to tell you something. When he's your father... He cares enough to birth you into the kingdom of God. Look at Colossians 1.13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, please. Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I want you to look at um, uh, chapter 1, verse 13. Okay? 1.13. The Bible says this, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son. That means he's the king. But he's not just the king. He's the father. Then number two, we have transforming love. We have transforming love. I want to tell you, folks, the Bible says in verse two that um, he, he changes our life. He changes our destiny. He changes our dignity. He changes our duty. We are to live for the king now. We are to live for out of love, because he first loved us, we ought to love him enough to be faithful. And folks, it's purifying love. Uh, it's loyal and faithful love. It's love that uh, the fruit of the love is, is joy and peace and, and meekness and faith and, and uh, love, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. It purifies the soul, that's salvation. Purifies the body, that's sanctification. And one day it's going to purify the Spirit, that's the resurrection. It's a purifying love. Look at uh, verse 2. It says, uh, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now John can't get over that. Why should we? He said he bestowed the love of God for us to be the sons of God. Then verse 2 it says, Hey listen, now we're the sons of God. We're the sons of God. He's repeating that. He doesn't want his readers to miss it. You're the son of God. You're the part of the family of God. You're not in some dead religion. You're in a relationship. You're in the family of God. And it says, and it does not yet appear what we shall, shall be. Now, we don't know all the answers, but we know three things in this verse I'm going to give you in just a minute. He says, but we, but we know him. We know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I like that verse because it says you don't know everything, but there's three things you ought to know. I'll give you that in just a minute. So it's a purifying love. Verses 3 says, For every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, 
even as he is pure. So it's transforming love. And then I want you to see, because of this transforming love, there's three things in the Christian life that's different. Number one, there's Christian dignity. Christian dignity. He starts dealing with, um, uh, he starts dealing with this uh, position that we have as children of God. What matter of love that we become children of God, sons of God. Uh, beloved, now that we're sons of God. We're sons of God. Christian dignity. You know, and then he deals with sin, verses 4 through 10. You know what the, the whole crux of the matter is? It ought to be below your dignity to live in sin. I'm not saying you'll never sin, because some, uh, some of you men sinned yesterday morning when you got offended uh, by the owner of the restaurant that asked if you were Christians and claimed and, and offended all of us. And... Uh, we're looking for a new place to have breakfast, by the way. We're not offended. We just ain't going to go there. <laughs> Amen. Just go ahead and insult us and see if we buy you a biscuit. But anyway, uh, I shouldn't have said that. Amen. That's, that's in the flesh completely. But uh, uh, some, some of you realize that to live in sin is below your calling. It's below your dignity. It's below your family relationship. It's like this. Uh, if you love your parents, you want to live with them and you want to live for them and you want to please them, and you want to love them, and you want to obey them, and you just have a relationship. Now, folks, listen, if you're, if you're in a family relationship where it's the law, you're in trouble. I mean, the law's making you stay in the home. That's, that's, that's really a great relationship, isn't it? The law's making you obey your parents. That'd be a great relationship. No, love oversees the law. Amen? And so we have a Christian dignity. Behold what manner of love. But can I say this? Behold what position you have as the son of God. You're the sons of God. You're the daughters of God. Amen? And it's, it's just wonderful uh, that you are in the Father's care. I want you to write that down. You're in the Father's care. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 10 through 12. I was typing this. Uh, up to 6.30, trying to get this all together. And that's why I came in here and had to have some help singing that song. I almost called on Brother Travis, but he looked too tired. So I was going to let him take a break, amen. I was going to have a new quartet tonight. But um, I, I want you to see this real quick. I want you to see Hebrews chapter 2, what God calls you. What God calls you. It's wonderful. Uh, he calls you brothers. Jesus calls you a brother. Now, I'm not trying to say that you're equal with Jesus, but you are a child of the, in the family of God, and, and your father is God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Would, would you please turn there? Verse 10 through 12. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12. No, it's Hebrews 2, excuse me. I knew that didn't look right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 through 12. The Bible says this, For it became, for it became him for whom all... Are, are all things, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering, Jesus. For both he that sanctifieth and they that who are sanctified are all of one. Listen to this. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. How about that? Jesus is not ashamed to call you brethren. And then you go to the marketplace 
And you go through a week without ever claiming his name. And you're ashamed of him. You never hand out a track, as we had a good devotion by Brother Jason on handing out tracks. They stay with you and they, they stay longer and they're, and they're the gospel into people's hands. We got excited about doing that. But then look at verse 12. By the way, if you leave a track, leave a good tip. But look at verse 12. It says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. He, Jesus, is saying, you're his brother. Now, folks, brothers ought to be close. But I'm going to say, get, forget the brothers for a second and realize what he's saying. you got the same father. Behold, what matter of love that God has made you sons of God, daughters of God. You're in the family of God. You're heirs of the kingdom of God. Look at John chapter 17, please. John chapter 17, not 1 John, but the John, the gospel of John. And I want you to look at John chapter 17, please. And I want you to look at verse uh, uh, 23 and 24. John 17, 23 and 24. This is a wonderful prayer. This is the real Lord's prayer. The others are not Lord's prayer. Uh, folks, the Lord has never prayed, forgive me of my temptations, uh, forgive me of my sins, because he's never sinned. That was, a, that was the disciples' prayer. In Luke 6, Matthew 6, Luke 11. But this is the Lord's prayer. He's praying. And what's he pray? In verse 21 and 23, he talks about this family again. He says, and they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And so, folks, he's praying. He's praying to God for us to realize that we're in him and he's in us, and we're part of the family of God, but we're more than just the family of God. We're the body of God. He's the head, we're the body. We're the building of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Then we'll go back and read a couple of verses before that. You don't have your Bible, you're lost tonight. Not lost eternally, but you, you can't follow. I mean, because this is a Bible study. Amen? Romans chapter 8. And if you have an NIV or a Newest Standard Version or a Jehovah Witness Bible, you really are lost. Uh, trying to follow me because I'm going to preach out of one, one Bible. Romans chapter, I didn't get one amen out of that. I thought Brother, uh, Brother Jeremy at least say amen. Look at this, Romans 8, 29. The Bible says this, For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine. Now listen, for what? To be conformed to the image of his Son, we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn in the Bible days had all rights had all inheritance, had all gifts, had all power. We can be firstborn among the brethren, many brethren. But if you'll back up, uh, this, this is where it gets real. Uh, look at verse 15. Verse 15. I'm talking about just what manner of love has God bestowed upon us that we could become the sons of God. I just want to drive home that point for a few minutes. Look at verse 15, Romans 8. It says, For we have received the spirit, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. I'm for adoption. Amen. 
if I was younger, I'd be right in the middle of it. Uh, it says, for the, we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now folks, when somebody calls me, and I have a lot of people call me, and don't call me on my uh, land phone anymore, because I just disconnected that with all cable. I got mad at Hollywood, it's all gone. Uh, but I'm going to say this, is that if I get a call and somebody on the other line, like I got today, says, Daddy, they got my attention more than if you call. Okay? And then if somebody calls and they say, Papa, they've got me for about an hour. And I won't talk to you for an hour, I guarantee you that. Because there's a different relationship, say amen. And you know what this word Abba, Father, means? It means Papa. I'm not trying to be irreverent. It means daddy. It means, hey, you're more than just a father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You're my father. You're my daddy. You're my papa. When Jason and I go play golf, he had a free round today and we couldn't play all 18 holes because we'd be sinning against God. We did play nine holes this morning and he, did, he didn't let me beat him. I thought he would at least let me beat him. And he wouldn't let me tee off at the gold tees, which is the old man's tee. We just equal to equal, batting it out. But, you know, I looked over the scorecard, and he didn't put Wayne on the scorecard. He put Dad. We had a precious time together, you know, because he's my son. He's more than my associate. He's not just my assistant. He's not my secretary. He tries to do it all around here. He does a good job. He's my son. We have a special relationship. He was eight months old, and when I went knocking on doors, Mama carried him door to door, knocking on doors to start this church. He went visiting before he knew what visitation was because of Mama. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's a special relationship when God said, you can call me Abba Father. Oh, what matter of love. The Father is bestowed upon us. That we might be called and we are the sons of God. Then he goes to the next verse and repeats it. Sons of God. There's a special relationship. Don't ever think this is just a religious ceremony. Don't ever think, as the lady said, because she's Mormon that she's saved. No, because she's Mormon she's lost. You say, you think every Mormon's lost? Most likely because they teach the wrong salvation out of the wrong book. Say amen. If they get saved, it would be an accident. No, it would be a miracle. Because they've been taught that they work for salvation. It's sad. We don't work for salvation. The Father's bestowed upon us His love. His love. Aren't you glad that you didn't have to live to get saved? But He loved you to get saved. It's for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's for God so loved the world that he committed his love towards us and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let that soak in your wonderful brain. I'm not talking to my children, so I won't call, I won't call your brain what I call theirs sometimes. Your thick skull needs to let that be soaking in, amen? Praise God he loves you. And you're no longer your own. You're his child. And so let's just... Bast in the love of God. Look at verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There it is again. Paul can't get over it. He said, we're children of God. Then look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, 
and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so be that we suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. And he goes about suffering. Why does people suffer? I'll tell you why people suffer. That we can be more like Jesus and that we can t prove the world we still love Him. We still love Him. And it's wonderful uh, to see people at the brink of eternity just continue to love people and love God and love His Word and, 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 and uh, not bitter like a lot of people get mad at God when they don't get healed. They get mad at God when they're about to die. Folks, listen, death's going to be a great entrance into a, a, to home. We're going home. Uh, so there's Christian dignity. The Christian dignity is this. You're a child of God. I want you to think about that now. This is not preaching. This is teaching. You're a child of God. The Father's care. And then I see something else about the, uh, being a father. The Father's correction. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 through 7. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to look at verse uh, 5 through 7. The Bible says, And ye, I'll wait on you. I hear those pages turning. Hebrews is a hard book to find, isn't it? I mean, I don't know why. It's, it's just hard. Am I the only one that can't find Hebrews? Okay. All right. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Don't quit when God corrects you. You needed it. Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourges. And the lost and liberal world looks on and says, yeah, God's holding out on you. God's mean. God hates women. That's what God told me today. He don't hate women. He loves, he lo he loves everybody. Amen? And he loves unborn babies and he loves everyone. Look at this. And for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens and scourges every son. There it is again. Every son whom he receiveth. Look at verse uh, 7. If you endure chasing, God dealeth with you as with sons. Well, what son is he, is he whom the Father chaseth not? And it says, and if you be without chastisement, thereof are you partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. You're illegitimate. And folks, listen. The Father's care, but the Father's correction should be precious to you. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I had a mother that wouldn't let me live like a hellion. I'm glad I had a mother that had a curfew on me. I didn't at the time. I thought it was ridiculous. I'm in college, and she makes me come in at 12. What kind of world is this, you know? The world's falling apart. I can't. I got to be in at 12 o'clock, where most people ought to be, in bed. And nothing good happens between 12 and 6 in the morning. Nothing good. Amen. Nothing. The only thing good is there's not traffic on the road. That's the only thing good. But there's a whole lot of drunks, and so there's nothing good on the road. Say amen. But I want to tell you something. I had a mother that says, you're going to be here, and you're going to be, and if you don't, if you're, if you're a minute late, I'm taking your keys. I said, oh, boy. I'll hide them. And then she would instruct my daddy to go out and pull the battery out if I broke the curfew. I mean, she was strict. But you know something? I call her blessed. 
And I thank God I got a little discipline. And she taught me to work when I was 12 years old. Put me out to slave labor, paper route. 52 papers, had to collect every week, 52 cents. I mean, it was slave labor, man, praise God. Big old bag, I got a bicycle, and then the next day I got a basket big as this pulpit. I said, what's the basket for? He says, you're going to put it on your bicycle, and you're going to get a paper out, and you're going to help us around this house. I said, I am. I did. <laughs> I got bit by dogs. It was, it was a terrible childhood. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Had to collect, and people would slam the door in their face and would give me their 52 cents for the week. It was terrible. But you know what it taught me? I need to work. I feel, I feel out of the will of God if I'm not working, doing something. Amen? And I want to tell you something. It's because of mama. And it should be because of your fa- the fathers. The father corrects, and then the father has compassion. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 again, reading that verse, it says he, he has so much compassion on him, he, he lets you call him Papa. I don't think you ought to do that like a pope. Papa, you know kiss his finger in the little ring. I don't think I'll do that. Because ain't nobody should be called father on this earth, the Bible says. The Bible says that. Don't call anyone father. That's what the Bible says. You know why? Because there's nobody like God the Father. There's a bunch of sinners down here, including preachers and popes and presbytery and deacons and everybody's sinners. But Jesus is perfect. Amen. I came all the way to here to hear that, the Father's compassion, and then the Father's companionship. The Father's companionship. There's where I misspelled the word. The Father's companionship. You know, He's with us, and He'll never leave us. He'll never leave us. And you know, folks, He, he, he loves you, and He has compassion upon you. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Compassion is, a compassion of a father and a mother is different for their children than it is somebody else. I'll never forget, I was thinking about Jason, how he's grown up. He's 42 today. Don't tell him that because he feels like he's over the hill. He feels real old. Matter of fact, he, he, he was comparing himself to an old man today, and I thought, my word, son, you ain't even close to old. You run two miles a day, full speed. You, you, you're energetic. You're not old, but he thinks he's old. He thinks, he thinks he's too old. God help us. He's too old. We're all, we're all gone. Amen. We're in the grave if he's too old. But I thought about a father and mother's love. And I remember the first surgery he had. This surgery was, he was taken um, away from us for this surgery. And, um, man, we were, we were so upset that we both were crying that a four-year-old was having surgery. I thought, I hope nobody sees me at the church or anything. I don't think we're a bunch of wimps here. And then she started crying. I was trying to be strong, and then I started crying. And then, then, then Mama did something that I could not believe she did. She started going with him. I said, you can't, honey, you can't go in the surgery room with your four-year-old. They won't let you. He said, but I can go all the way to the door. And here she is, boo-hooing, walking to the elevator. And then she finally, they slammed the elevator and her thing. And I said, honey, we got to get a, get a hold of ourselves. All he is is put, getting tubes in his ears. <laughs> it wasn't major heart surgery. It wasn't brain surgery. It was tubes in his ears. But we thought it was the end of the world. But they'd take our little baby away from us into a surgery room and put tubes. I mean, they didn't even cut him. They just popped them in there, I guess, like... Um, those earrings they put in you. I mean, they popped them in there. I don't know how they did it. 
We thought it was a major surgery. Why? Because he's our son. He still is our son. And so there's a father's companionship. We're never alone. He'll never leave. You go in the surgery room, he goes with you. Because he's in you. You go to war, he goes with you. You veterans. He was with you. You're lonely, you feel like nobody cares. He's with you. He's a father that will never leave you or forsake you. He's God the Father. And so I see the dignity of the Christian. The dignity of the Christian. And let's go back to our text and I'll close. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the, say it with me, sons of God. We're in verse 1. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what, when we shall, uh, uh, it says, but, but what we shall, shall be, but we know what that, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. I want to go from Christian dignity to Christian destiny. The Christian destiny. You know, some people are destined to be failures, it seems like. But you're destined to be a winner. I saw a tattoo on a prisoner's arm one day, and it said, born to lose. I looked at him, I said, no, you're not. He said, what? I just, I just talked to them like they're elementary kids, amen? If you show fear, they'll, they'll eat your lunch, amen? Never forget, Brother Larry and I were going in the jail, and uh, somebody said, one of the officers says, take your towel. I said, I ain't taking my towel. Neither is Larry. We're preachers, praise God. We're going to look like it. You know, we're trying to be real spiritual. He says, well, I'm going to tell you something. They could take that tie and strangle you. I said, Larry, why don't we take our towel? <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, born to lose was on his arm. He wasn't born to lose. He was born to be a winner. Sin's the loser. And our destiny, a lot of things in the future you do not know. How could you say something like that? Well, look at the verse. It says, it says this. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I don't know everything about the uh, heaven. I don't know what age we're going to be in heaven. Everybody says, oh, I know what it is. It's 33 and a third. Everybody, there's going to be no babies in heaven. Everybody's going to be 33 and a third years old. That's what it's going to be like. Now, where did they get that? Jesus lived 33 years. That's why all these heretics say you've got to get, be 12 years old to be saved because Jesus was in the temple when he was 12 years old. What's that got to do with salvation? You get saved a lot quicker than 12. Say amen. Especially you keep your kid in church from the day he was born. But I want to tell you this. We don't know what age we're going to be. We don't know what we're going to eat. And I'll just be honest with you. We don't know what we're going to look like. I mean, are we going to have, are we going to have angel wings and long flowing white hair? We're going to be sweeping around heaven like this? I believe we're going to be known as we are known. I believe we're going to recognize. Somebody asked D.L. Moody, he says, when we know each other in heaven, he says, don't you think we'll have more sense up there than we do down here? <laughs> of course we're going to know each other. Amen? Uh, some people say, well, are we going to be married in heaven? What about that guy that's got six wives? Which one's he going to be married to? The one that treated him the best? No, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it'll be a love that's more than marriage. You say, oh, that can't possibly be. Some, one uh, 
lady said, well, I ain't going to go to heaven if I'm not married to him. I said, boy, you must be a real spoiler. Good night. I said, you'll go to heaven. When you go to heaven, you'll forget him. Amen. Because God will be so precious to you. Everybody will be so precious to you. Be like you married everybody. But I want to give you three things you'll know in heaven in closing. Three things that you'll know. You don't know all the things about heaven. It says, but we don't know. It says, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. What are we going to be like? I don't know. But I want to tell you this. Psalm 17, 11 says, whatever it is, we're going to be satisfied. It's going to be a whole lot better than this. We'll have a glorified body. Say amen. I believe we will eat honey and and fish because Jesus did. And I believe we'll go through walls in a single bound and we won't be Superman or Batman either. Amen. Or all those other incredible adventures that makes $10 billion in one weekend. Still upset about that. Three things that are certain in this verse. He shall appear. That's what it says. But we know that when He shall appear. First thing you can know for sure, He shall appear. You can know this for sure. Let me just say this. He's coming again. Jesus is coming again. You can know it for sure. Number two. We shall see Him as He is. It didn't say we'd see Him as He was. We're going to see Him as He is. Well, how is He? Well, look at John 17, 5, and you'll see what He's like in heaven. John 17, 5. Real quick. We're closing. I'll let you out early. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 17, verse 5, tells us how He is. 17, 5. I hope y'all not as hot as I am. Oh, me. I feel like I'm next to a wood furnace up here. Look at John 17, verse 5. Now you know why we have such trouble. Y'all freeze and I burn up. We got some problems. Amen? We're going to figure it out, though. John 7, in heaven, they'll be perfect. You'll be perfect. It'll be a perfect atmosphere. Amen? Everybody's going to be happy in one church. Isn't that going to be a blessing? Amen. I mean, the freezing woman's going to be warm and the burning up uh, man's going to be Cool. It's going to be great. Amen. But look at this. He shall appear, but we shall see him as he is. John 17, 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Look at verse, this is, what, this is as he is. This is as he is. Look at verse 24. John 17, 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. He's going to be glorious. I don't know if it's going to be scintillating light. You know, man, if man's went to the moon, but man's never went to the sun and never will because they can't stand the glory of it. And I want to tell you something, folks. The, the, the S-U-N is going to wane into insignificance compared to the S-O-N. I'm telling you, it's going to be glorious in heaven. And so, folks, listen, we need to, we need to realize uh, what is great about heaven. I mean, when you have a loved one die, it breaks your heart. This will comfort you that's had loved ones die lately. But I want to tell you what will comfort your heart. The first thing they're going to see and be around is beholding glory of God. That'll beat the mansions. 
that'll beat the gold streets, that'll beat the gates of pearl, that'll beat everything, even seeing grandmama and mama and daddy, it's going to beat it all when they see the glory of God. Every song they sung will be fulfilled. Every sermon they heard will be fulfilled. Every longing to be with Christ will be fulfilled. And they will see Him as He is. As He is. Then one more thing we're going to know for sure. We're going to be like Him. We're going to be like Him. Look at verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Now, I don't know all the questions. Answer. Folks, if you think you know all the answers, hang around a four-year-old for about 30 minutes, and he'll give you more questions you can ever answer. Say so, amen. I mean, I've got, I've got some grandchildren that ask me some questions that I don't have a clue how to answer. And I just said, that's a good question. Ask Mimi. Amen. I'll just push it on her. But listen to this. It says, and we shall, it says, but we know that when he shall appear, number one, we shall be like him, number two, and last but not least, we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Folks, and we shall be like him. We shall be like him. What is the resurrection body going to be like? I can't tell you. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us a lot about it. But I'll tell you what I can tell you. Psalms 17, the last verse, is what it's going to be like. Psalm 17, last verse. I hope it's, that's the psalm. Psalm 17. And I want you to look at verse, the last verse. I think it's verse 11. This verse just came to my heart. And somebody took psalms out of my Bible. There it is. Psalm 17, 11. Real quick. We're going... All, all this go outside and cool off unless you smoke. It says this in Psalm, Psalm 17, 11. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness and I shall be satisfied when I await with thy likeness. I don't know what it's all going to be like, but I want to tell you something. When you see him, he'll be enough. And when you see him, in His glory, everything will be worth it. Even the affirmities of this world will seem light compared to the glory of God. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 18. So, I don't have time to get the last point, but folks, we have the Christian's dignity. You're the sons of God. We have the Christian's destiny. We're going to be with Him and like Him. And then we have the Christian's duty. We need to long and live for His coming. Look at verse 3. I'll just read the verse. We don't have time to go to it. It says, And every man that hath this hope, that's anticipation, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. There's one doctrine that will change your life more than any other doctrine in the Bible, if you believe it. Second coming will change your life. If you could believe with all your heart that at 12 o'clock tomorrow, Thursday, March 6th, May 16th, Jesus was going to rapture you up, what would you do between now and noon tomorrow? I think there'd be some searching of the heart, purifying of the motives, and there'd be some pure compassion upon your loved ones that were out of the will of God or lost. And folks, that's the way we ought to live. We ought to live each day as if we're going to get killed. That's an encouraging thought, isn't it? We ought to live each day as if we hear the trumpet. We ought to listen for the trumpet every day. Amen. 
I, I, I'm going to do this one Sunday morning, so help me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get somebody that plays the trumpet, Bailey or somebody, and I'm going to hide them up in that baptistry. Well, y'all all about half asleep. I'm going to give her the signal, and she's going to blast out a big trumpet call. And then I'm going to hide behind the pulpit, and y'all going to think y'all been left. <laughs> no. Who do you think you are? Only one saved in this place? Hey, folks, it ought to be just like that. We ought to be listening and leaning towards the trumpet of God because He is coming, and He's coming soon, and behold, what matter of love has He bestowed upon us that we are His sons, and we ought to act like it, we ought to long for His coming, we ought to lean towards His coming, we ought to look forward to His coming, and nothing should supersede that. Amen. One time I remember I was playing in a mud pen, pot, not a mud pen, a mud, a mud pile, and I mean, hosed it up, mudded up, and I'll tell you what, I came home with so much mud on me that my, my mother took me out on the back porch and whipped the devil out of me. No, she didn't. She got the hose and washed off my body before I'd go in the house. Now, she, didn't, she wasn't hating her son. She was hating the mud. Say amen. And folks, the Lord, when he whips you, he don't, hurt, he don't whip you as a, uh, because he hates you. He hates the sin in your life. And he wants you to be pure. He wants you to be clean. And he wants you to be godly. And he wants you to practice for heaven. And that means be like him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. Boy, I wish I could preach about 10 more minutes. Time's up. And Lord, we've got to get the kids home. And Lord, I thank you for these faithful few that's come tonight. I pray they've been comforted with what they'll know about heaven. That we'll be like you, and we'll see you as you are, not as you were. We'll not see you on the, on the cross. We'll see you on the throne. So, Lord, we'll see you soon. I don't know how soon, but, Lord, I believe the trumpet's going to sound any minute. And it sure would be encouraging, Lord, to see you. But until then, may we purify ourselves, purify our motives, and purely care for the lost and the backslidden and those that are so deceived by the philosophies and politics of this world. And God, may they get saved. Lord, would you save those that's caught in the cults looking for the law instead of looking for the Lord. 